Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. want to welcome everybody here. I want to welcome everybody online. And as long as I'm talking about here, before we dive in this morning, I want to take just a quick moment and I want to share some things that we've got coming to, back to uh, you guys uh, in November, stuff we've been talking about on our staff. When we get to November, uh, the first Sunday in November, we're going to go back to a more of a, a traditional way of communion. We're going to go back to the way of communion we used to have. Yes. And uh, we will still have the little things that you guys are so excited about. Yeah. We're still going to have those, uh, and we're also going to have gluten-free, but we're going to move back. For those who want to move back into that space, we're going to make that available to you. The second thing I want to say is we're going to add, some of you have been asking about this, we're going to add the greeting back in. And uh, so we've had some folks say, can we greet? And I want to say, yes, we're going to greet. No mushy, sloppy hugs. We're not doing that. That was funnier at nine, but anyhow, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do that. Um, we're going to go back to an in-person uh, offering. We're going re- to add that back into the worship space. We're doing that, which means when we do that, we'll be able to revisit what's called the Dollar Club. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, right, the Dollar Club is this thing that we do. We invite everybody to participate. If they want to participate, add an extra dollar to your offering for every person that you bring with you in the car. Then we take all of that money, it's added up, and we bless a family in our community with that. And uh, uh, just no crime, no foul, no judgment there. And that's, that's what we do. We don't keep any of that money. We give it out. That was a thing in the pandemic. We had to pull things a little tight, and we had to... Uh, hit pause on that. We're looking for the space to reinvest in that. Isn't that exciting? I'm ready to do that. Um, we all know we come out of, we come out of the uh, summer uh, working on our budget, so let's all remain uh, faithful to that, and God's going to show up in a great way, and I'm excited about blessing some folks in our community with that. I want to give you also a quick update on Trevor and Leah. You know that Leah gave birth to Asa Wright Johnston. I want to show you a picture. There they are. And Trevor said, these are the things, he said, please share these things. Leah was a rock star. We all know that. I didn't pass out at all. And uh, I said, we'll let you, we'll, I'll make sure I share that. Um, one thing, though, it's been a little hard. I don't know if you're aware. So when Asa was born, he wasn't breathing in the way that we, the, the doctors were really wanting him to breathe. And so they kept him in NICU. And so he's been in NICU this whole time. Uh, Leah was able to come home, but without the baby. And moms, you know, dads, you know, that's a tough thing. And um, so there have been lots of prayers around that. And part of the reason they said this is happening is that Asa is so big, he was over nine pounds. And so Trevor, the other thing Trevor said, please make sure you tell everybody, all those babies in NICU, pray for them, but my baby's bigger than everybody else's baby. (laughs) like, all right, Trevor, I'll make sure that we share that. Um, But anyway, we learned just this morning that they took him off the CPAP device. So praise God for that. So we're excited about that to get little Asa home and connect it with all the family. So all right, grab your notes, grab your app, grab your Bible, whatever. We're going to dig in. We're in week three 
uh, of an important series in our church right now. We're calling the series True for You, But Not for Me. And we're looking at the idea of truth. And uh, we set this series up. We said we're going we're gonna to take three or four weekends and we're going to love God with our minds. And this is uh, what we're doing uh, right now in this series. And uh, I want to tell you, we're going to do something next week I haven't done in a while. I do it, but we haven't done it in quite a while. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead in the, in the message time next week. We're going to have a panel. And we're going to have a panel discussion. We've invited you to send your questions in about Scripture, about the Bible, about truth. And we're going to have two literal resident experts, uh, Dr. Vic Copan and Dr. Nathan Maxwell, uh, one a a theologian and expert in New Testament, one a theologian expert in the Old Testament. And they're going to be, we're going to hit them with all of our questions next week. This week I told them, I said, hey, send me a picture so I can let everybody know who you guys are. Vic sent me this. Right away I said, okay, you are not going to be able to speak on the platform if that's what you're doing. I don't know. Can we trust you? And then Nathan Maxwell, he must have got wind of this because Nathan sent us this picture. And I thought, wow, that's going to jack attendance right there. Attendance is going up. Uh, but at any rate, um, he, uh, Nathan, it was so funny. He said, that's actually how I looked. Then we had kids. And he goes, this is how I look now, which is actually how he looks. So that's actually him. But they're going to be on the stage next week. I'm super pumped about this. But anyhow, we are exploring the idea of truth, namely this, the idea of absolute truth, the idea that there is a truth. You can know it, and the truth can set you free. Someone say amen to that and that Jesus is the truth. Here's, here's what I'm thinking about in this series. This is something I really wanted to talk about. We are living in a space in human history where truth, the idea of truth, is actually under attack. The idea of truth is under attack, where truth seems hard to find, where there's such mistrust going on in our world and in many of our institutions. Some of us aren't sure any longer who or what to believe, and frankly, whether or not it even matters. And so we're living in this space right now where we, see, we say these things in our culture. You live your truth, and I'll live my truth, and we'll just all get along. But what, what is the, pro- the problem is, what if those truths are diametrically opposed to one another? And this is the kind of idea that we're going at. Is there truth? Can you know the truth? Is it possible? And so this is what we've looked at, absolute truth, the idea that it's under assault, the idea of this that the writers of Holy Scripture make incredible claims about the Bible as a place where we can read, find, understand, receive, and apply absolute truth in our lives. This is important. And we're just living in a space in human history. If we don't don't navigate this conversation well, it is going to impact our ability to come into a space like this and turn our lives over into the care of a loving, holy God and say, God, would you speak your truth to my circumstance? And how many of you need God's truth in your life? Many of us do. So this is really an important conversation. It's an important topic. Now, if you were with us last week, uh, Brandon, who is the future campus uh, pastor of the Lake Worth campus, uh, spoke about this and offered us a short little devotional on this topic. For those of you who don't know, uh, Brand, Brand's my son-in-law, and the first time he preached, he preached short. 
And then I said, just whatever you do when you preach again, man, just take us the time, preach the whole thing. And he, he said last week he preached, he sat down, he looked at his watch, and it was the same time he did it the last time. And so <laughs> he offered us a little devotional. I told everybody, I'm just kidding, his sermonette was actually awesome. Uh, I want to tell you about my, my son-in-law. I've known him so long. I, I told Haley when they got married, I said, he was actually like a son before he became a son-in-law. And I said, he's a man of few words. And last week, 12 minutes, too few words. <laughs> but anyhow, that's where we are. But what he offered was great. Wasn't it great? Doggone it. It was awesome. And I just, I love him so much. And uh, yeah, he, he said something last week that I thought was so powerful. And he, he built his, his talk at around, around two ideas that I want to make sure we understand. And Brand says, make sure we hit this really good. The idea, first of all, of inspiration. Can we trust the source? Can we trust the source? I, I, I was. This is an interesting thing to think about, fascinating. Uh, I got an article recently, somebody showed me, that uh, across the spectrum, where we as a nation right now are receiving our news, so all the different news feeds, and where they fall on the political ideological spectrum. I want to show you an example of that. Look at that. And, and this is sort of an interesting thing to look at. You could look up and go, okay, there's where I'm receiving my news, and you can see where it kind of filters in and this thing. Now, now here's what, what's interesting about this is, do you know what's underneath this, what underlies this? We no longer trust where we get our news anymore. Do you, do you see that? And, and while that might be a good thing to kind of ideologically look at that and figure, figure that out, here's another thing that I think is interesting. The other problem, if we're not careful, is that we will just create in our lives echo chambers where we all just you know, get around people that tell us all the same thing or tell us what we want to hear. And that's, how many of you would agree, that's a problem when we do that? And so um, when I think about this in a broader way, and when I move this sort of conversation to the idea of faith, this is the thing that I think about uh, around this. I think about that this is such an important concept because if we don't do this right, if we don't do this right, it's going to show up in the way we think about faith. Just think about the Bible for a moment. 66 books, 40 authors, 2,500 years, three different languages, innumerable circumstances, yet all filled with this amazing connection, similarity, and purpose. And this is part of what we're wanting to talk about in these days. This is part of what we're going to discuss next week in this panel I'm pumped about. But all of us, if you think with me about it, we're all building our lives on something. And so the challenge really comes for us to consider deeply and consider broadly is, is what I'm building my life on worthy of the investment that I'm going to bestow it and build my life upon it. And so this is an important conversation right now. And so when we look at this idea, we look at the idea of inspiration really underneath that is can I trust the source? Author Michael Novak says this, he goes, he reminds us that doubt is not so much a dividing line that separates people into different camps. It is really, quite honestly, he writes, the razor's edge that runs through every human soul. This is true. 
Believers tend to think doubters are given over to meaninglessness, moral confusion, and despair. That could be true. The question is, is it universally true? Doubters uh, think that believers are non-thinking, dogmatic, judgmental moralizers. That could be true. But is it universally true? I was reading a couple of weeks ago, and I thought about this. The reality is all of us have belief and doubt living inside of us. We all have the same information in many ways we're working from. And we have to make a choice. We can't live in the middle. we got to land somewhere. And as one author appropriately calls out, listen to this. He says, we may believe and we may doubt. And believing and doubting share the same inevitability, but they're not equal. They cannot lay claim on our allegiances. They do not share the same power. And so with all of the uncertainties about life present on the streets we live and the homes that we find ourselves, if there are places beyond our street that we cannot yet see, here's what I know. He says, doubt cannot take us there. And so the underlying tension about inspiration is this and why it matters. Now, the other thing is this, transformation. When we come, when we come to truth, when we come to Scripture, we, we, the scripture makes claims about inspiration. And, and we have to consider the source. It also makes claims on transformation, which is this. Is it useful? Wherever we're going to receive our truth, wherever we're going to get our truth, is that truth worthy, like I said, of the investment of our lives? Because this is not just an intellectual exercise in here. Even when we say we're going to love God with our minds, it's not just an intellectual exercise. We're wanting to understand how the world works and how we can build our lives upon it. And this is why we chose as a theme verse really in this series, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. We're looking a lot in these days of what Paul is offering back to Timothy. And so what I want to do is I want again, we're going to put this on the screen. I'm going to invite us. We're going to read this aloud together. Notice the claim that the author that Paul is writing to Timothy, notice the claim that he's making of Scripture. Let's read this out loud. Ready? Go. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, if you're taking notes, this is the question of value. This is the idea that points to the inspiration of Holy Scripture as helpful and useful to help us grow in our relationship with God. This morning, I want to offer one other, I think, facet. If we're going to have a conversation about truth, if we're going to have a conversation about absolute truth, and if we're going to you know, have a conversation about the claims of Scripture, I don't think a series would be appropriate appropriate really without offering to you really a warning of what happens if we don't listen to the truth. It's great that we would come in here and have this wonderful conversation about truth, but what if we all go out and we just say, I agree, but we don't do anything with it. I'm training all of our younger preachers right now. When I, when I said, when you communicate God's word, it, the goal is not that people leave and they go, I agree. That's not the goal. The goal is we're going to step into what we're all learning together and so I want us to hear what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Notice what he says. He says, So, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, 
who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and, Paul writes, his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience, careful instruction. Now notice what he says here. For the time will come. For the time will come. When people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they're going to gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myth. But you, Timothy, you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge the duties of your ministry. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. Let's pray. You know, God, uh, might you, in the riches of your mercy, meet all of us here in this space, meet all of us online, and say fresh things to us. God, there are, these are days when truth sometimes feels like it's in short supply. And God, it's easy in these days to get confused. It's easy, O oh Lord, to settle for lesser things. And so God, in this moment when uh, this is so important, would you remind us the value of this space, for we pray these things in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Everyone said, amen. I've shared before that when I started uh, in ministry, I served at a, a large church in Martin County, and I served under a, a wonderful, uh, loving man, and, and he trained me a lot. And whenever I read verses like this, I, I think about those times because What Paul is doing here, um, Paul is handing his ministry off to a younger man. The time has come, Paul is finished, and now somebody's coming behind him. I've always thought, if if I don't preach on Sunday, somebody else is going to preach on Sunday. And uh, I I can remember the first time, uh, you know, I was kidding about Brandon. Many of you all know the first time I preached, and I told you, I I also went short. My pastor said, get up and do it again. you like, you know, it's just go preach it again. But the first time I got, or, when I was ordained and I, I served in the church in Martin County, I went over one afternoon to the, the sanctuary and I was going to preach my first message there. It was kind of a big deal only because it was the first time there. And, and I was on the other side of school. So like people had an expectation I had something that I could say. And, and I went over there uh, in the afternoon. It was the first time I'd ever crawled up into this pulpit. It was this big marble or granite pulpit. It was very intimidating, and I felt very insecure when I stepped in. I went when nobody was there by myself, and I crawled up into the pulpit. And, I, and, and somebody had taken a little, a little gold like, you know, plaque. They had just sort of glued it right on the pulpit where you would put your Bible. And it simply said these words. It said, with so many people speaking the things of this earth, 
Let one stand and speak for eternity. And I, I've never forgotten that, 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 is a, that this is what this moment is. When we were building this sanctuary, uh, and a friend of mine, Brian Smiley, was helping me. He was the project director for this campus. And you all know we put rocks around the building where people put the names of people they want to see come to faith in Christ, and we embedded it in the foundation. Now, some of those people are part of our congregation here. I took one of my favorite Bibles, and I buried it. Right, It's right there, about a foot and a half down in concrete. And I just want it as a reminder that, you know, you, you didn't really come to hear me, but we come to hear God in this space. And what I love about Paul is that Paul is, Paul in a way, these verses, it's sort of a weird thing to think about. In a way, at first blush, they're, they're not even words for you, kind of. They're words for me. Because they're reminding me to discharge my duties as a pastor. Uh, with, with such confusion and conflict over these last two years uh, in the position of ministry, I, I, I'm with a group of guys that we meet uh, all over the country. There's this group, about 10 of us, and we meet on, on a Zoom call every Thursday morning, pray for us, and we're just encouraging one another. And one of the guys over a year ago took this very verse, and he said, um, I tell you, he goes, I've been praying this verse over, over my life to remind myself of what I'm actually supposed to be doing. Because in, in the COVID reality as a pastor, everybody has an opinion of what you should be doing. Yeah. And I want you to see, I, I, I have that, and there it is, that's my office. That's a, I took that this morning when I came over here to just remind me. And so Paul is, is handing his ministry off, and he, he gives some warnings. Now, here's the interesting thing I was thinking about for us this morning, for us this weekend. When I was young, probably like you, uh, I learned the value of telling the truth and the challenge to not lie. How many of you remember that? Uh, I remember my parents training us in that, to tell the truth and, and not to lie. And so that was, a, that was a part of the thing when I was growing up. But here's the interesting thing that I think bears witness in this challenge this morning. Nobody told me when I was older, uh, you know, when they're young, they tell you not to lie. Nobody told me when I was older, though, not to live a lie. Nobody ever saddled up beside me, put their arm around me, kind of encouraged me and said, you know, now as you step into adulthood, as you step into manhood, lots of ideas out there, lots of stuff. You learned as a young man not to lie. Here's what I want to tell you right now. Don't live a lie. And when I think about what Paul is saying, Paul is really offering to us, I think, a warning about that very thing. In fact, uh, I find within what he writes three lies, and I want to give them to you. And so just for all of us to think about this morning, and they come as a warning, and here's the first one. The warning of a life, I would say, too little with God. The warning of a life too little with God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Notice what Paul says here. He says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearance, uh, his appearing and his kingdom, Timothy, I give you this charge. Do you notice the urgency in what Paul is saying there? 
Do you notice that, that there's this moment it almost feels like he's trying to press into Timothy's flesh his own reality? Here's what Paul is actually, I believe, doing in that moment. He is sharing with Timothy his, his understudy, his own particular view of how the world works. This is Paul's view of how the world works. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and and the dead, and in view of his appearing, and in view of his coming kingdom, Timothy, I give you this charge. We could almost stop for a long time and think about these words. This was the truth Paul was committed to. This is the truth he wanted Timothy to embrace. And, and, and when I read this sometimes, it, it, it challenges me because um, I think about this. He was so committed to this. This is why probably some of us are here. Because he lived with the truth as though it was the truth and he told it like it was the truth. We live in a world that settles for so many lesser things. And, and, and here's what I want to remind you. This, this, is, this is such a wonderful experience when we come together. This is what it's all about in so many ways. I was talking to a friend a couple years ago that would come, and this is how he teed it up to me. This is literally what he said. I was talking to him in the lobby, and he said, you know, this is such a respite for me when I come. He said, I'm able to come in here, and he said, get a few moments of peace, and then I leave here and go back into the real world. And I remember thinking to myself, what if the real world is actually what we're learning in here? And what's out there is more like the myth and the false world. You see, in one way, what I want to say to us, this is so powerful and we all, this is so great that we're here doing this together. But if we're not careful, we could get lulled into believing we can do this little thing for an hour and then we go back out into the real world. And here's what I would tell you. Paul didn't view it that way. He viewed it totally different. We settle for lesser things. I was thinking about this joke my friend told me. I don't know if you've heard it, where he, he said that there was this guy, this couple, the man was just really struggling. He was not really doing really well. He was just kind of failing physically. He wasn't doing great. And they'd gone to the doctor. They'd done all these tests. And finally, out of a moment of desperation, the, the, the wife goes to visit the doctor. And, and, and the wife says, you know, I, I don't understand what's happening with him. We've been everywhere. We've tried everything. Nothing's happened. And, he, and, and she goes, what do you think? And the doctor looked at her and he said, you know what? I, I have an idea. I could be wrong, but it almost feels like he's got this failure to thrive kind of thing going on. You know, that sometimes happens in infants. Maybe it's happening here. And he said, let's try an experiment. For the next two weeks, he said, I want you to cook all of his favorite food. She was like, all right. And he said, for the next two weeks, give him the remote and let him watch whatever he wants to on TV. She goes, all right, I can do that. And then he goes, for the next two weeks, every night, you know, get his slippers and rub his feet before you go to bed. And you can tell she's starting to... And then he said, you know what? For the next two weeks, make mad, passionate love to him three times a week. And she leaves. She goes home. He says, what did the doctor say? She said, the doctor said, you're going to (laughs) die. I'm glad that landed at 1030. It didn't land at 9. 
Can I tell you what I think about what Paul's trying to communicate here? Your Christian journey is a series of steps you're willing to take to be formed into the very image of Jesus. What step is God asking you to take right now? Because he has one for you. Do not settle. Paul would say, here's the warning. The warning is a life too little for the things of God. And then he also offers this warning. If you're taking notes, write it down. I think it's a warning of a faith that's too high on itself. Paul says in verse 2, preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season, correct rebuke, encourage with patience and instruction. That's for Timothy. But here's for us. Here's the warning. For the time will come when people will, put up, will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they're going to gather around them a great number of teachers and say whatever their itching ears want to hear, they will turn away from the truth. They'll turn aside to myth. This is a powerful reminder that truth matters and it shapes us. We have to be careful to what we listen to. In the Gospel of John, John the Beloved tells a very interesting thing. He starts challenging the young church about the enemy of our souls. And then he says this. You can read about it. He says, in, in, I believe it's in John chapter 8, he says that the enemy of our souls tells lies all the time because lies are his native language. And John says, if we're not careful, we begin to believe the lie. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever had certain things that happen in your world, in your circumstance, in your life? And can I just be honest? It feels a little other. It doesn't feel like it's just a circumstance. Sometimes something happens and then something else happens and then something else happens and it starts to feel a little like it's directed like it's dark, like it's not of God. Do you know why you feel that way, John would say? Because it's true. And we have to remember that the father of lies wants you and me to live the lie. We have to be careful about that. Dallas Willard, one of my favorite authors, says this. Listen to this. In his book, Hearing God, he says, We truly live at the mercy of our ideas. This is never true, more true than with our ideas about God. Those who operate on the wrong information, listen to this, aren't likely to know the reality of God's presence in the decisions that shape their lives and they will most normally then miss the constant divine companionship for which our souls are made. Our ideas shape how we live and ultimately who we become. I wrote down a list of some of the lies that I've heard sometimes in counseling, no names shared, because they're so common. The lie of the grown man who is constantly berated by his father and comes to believe he is only as good as he is successful. The lie of the teenage girl who, comparing herself to the mirage of Instagram, 
comes to believe that she must not be as pretty as everyone else's highlight reel, and so therefore she is unworthy of love. The entrepreneur whose prior business failed after the betrayal of his partner and now lives the lie of thinking everything he does will eventually just, well, fall apart. It's the middle-aged woman who was raised by the angry perfectionistic mother and decades later still believes she is, has to be completely perfect in every mode of her life to experience the ounce of peace she can never grab. It's the young man who grew up in a church shallow in its theology and deep in its judgment. And so now, newly in his marriage, he's struggling with past guilt. And he feels God can never love him or forgive him. It's the one struggling with an addiction who has fallen back so many times. They're resigned to thinking that they're not really able to get well and that God has somehow abandoned them. Don't you just wish that when those significant people in our lives told us to always tell the truth, that they also told us not to live the lie? It's important. For the day is coming when we will want to circle around as people that will tell us exactly what we want to hear. I don't know about you. I don't need everybody telling me what I want to hear. I need a few people telling me what I need to hear. Wouldn't you agree? And so Paul offers the warnings, the a life too little with God, a life too high on self. And then lastly, the warning of an eternity too distant to matter. Paul says this in verses 6 or 8, and I'm going to close here. He says, I'm already being poured out, he said, like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is coming. But I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul was writing in a way that believers should understand that eternity, y'all, is right there. And that it invades our temporary. The desert fathers, de- desert spiritual fathers, used to say that the veil between earth and heaven is paper thin. And sometimes we see it. We see it in tragic ways, right? I mean, we had a Loss, a precious family, a young man who grew up in our church was killed in an accident at work this week. He was 28. Beth and I were dating on Friday, and we were coming home from a date. We had a wonderful evening together, and we were almost home, almost pulling into our neighborhood. And, and we pulled up on this scene. We saw, as we came around the corner on Crestwood here, all these uh, police cars, and a car was coming the other way, obviously super fast, lost control, and hit a tree. And the car was everywhere all over the road. And the next morning, I was Saturday, I got up to run an errand, and I just drove the way I always drove, and I drove by that scene, and there were three or four people just sitting there in the dirt, which told me 
that that story was probably a bad story. Eternity's right there. And, and sometimes what we do, I think Paul's trying to say, is we, we look at eternity and we go, it, it's like pie in the sky, by and by. But the reality of the truth of Scripture is, says this, eternity's breaking out all around us. And God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, wants to break it out in your life. We pray the prayer, right? Lord, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Paul wanted Timothy to know it's about eternity. You didn't come here to stay. And so build your life around those promises. So here's how we're going to close today. The team's going to come lead us in a song. Uh, They're going to sing to us and I mean, we're going to, you know, the altar's open here. You can stay in your seat. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God, Lord, God, am I living any lies? And if he points one out to you, I want you to confess it to him and ask him to place in that space not a lie but his truth so that we can not be people of the lie but be people of the truth. God, would you... By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to focus on you. Help us to see you. Help us to know that you see us so that your truth may live in our hearts. This we pray in Jesus' name. Can we give the Lord a round of applause? He's good. You know, Lord, I just pray for everyone listening here. I pray for also myself. That, God, you would keep our eyes fixed upon you, the author and finisher of our faith. That, Lord, we would have the ability, O God, under the power of your Holy Spirit to not live the lies that are circling around us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you have good things in store for us. And, God, would you build these truths into our lives, into the very fabric of how we live our lives before you and others. This is our prayer offered in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Now go in his peace, go in his grace and his love. We'll see you next weekend.